Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show. That's me. I'm Bill Barnwell, joined today by CBS's Will Brinson. Two games we're going to talk about and sort of not only hit the game itself, but the bigger picture, uh, the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans from Monday night, a really fascinating game. We're going to talk about the fourth down call and talk about whether Tennessee should be going for it as possible AFC champions and then Steelers Seahawks. What happens with Russell Wilson? What happens with the Steelers? And strangely, some conversation about Little Big League and Rookie of the Year. So if you're a 90s baseball movie fan, this is the podcast for you. But first, before we do that, wanted to quickly tell you guys about another ESPN podcast, which is Organized Chaos, hosted by former NFL coach Rex Ryan and his former Jets and Ravens linebacker, Bart Scott. The dynamic duo will be reunited in this weekly podcast. New episodes every Monday and provide listeners with expert insight and analysis on everything happening around the NFL, featuring trending stories from on and off the field. That's organized chaos. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also, ESPN's annual NBA opening night doubleheader is Wednesday, October 20th. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and the Celtics are at Madison Square Garden. Take on Julius Randle, former Celtic Kemba Walker, and the Knicks at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific. Then it's our primetime West Coast game with reigning MVP Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets in Phoenix, squaring off against Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and the Suns, last season's Western Conference champs. Two great matchups to tip off the NBA season on ESPN and the ESPN app. One app, one tap. Now, here's the show with Will. All right, joining me now here as promised, on the Bill Barnwell Show, a frequent contributor, a writer sometimes, a <laughs> podcaster most often, a television personality, just a star in so many ways, a renaissance man, a DFS professional, <laughs> quietly, a best ball street resider, I believe. Just a oh, man, absolutely. A man who is very busy. Being great, decided to join us today. It's CBS. It's Will Brinson. Will, what's up? What's up, Bill? Can we um, clip and save? I think all of those things apply to you too. But can we? I need to clip and save that uh, for, for. I'm going to change the intro of my podcast to just that. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, that. why? Why is Bill Barnwell introducing? Um, by the By the way, do we? I I forgot what your. And I don't know if you want to. I don't know if you care to give it out. But we we found ourselves in the same. Uh, best ball draft at one point leading up to the year is um, I forgot what your username is there. Oh, this is embarrassing. Your username is very, very concise. It's Brinson. Yes. Mine is not Barnwell. Mine is no odd job, which reads a lot like new job, which was not what I wanted to read. Like, uh, <laughs> well, but uh, an I was trying to figure it out. I was like, I was like, wait, what is Bill's name again? But then, because somebody was showing me their best, their their a score in a, a best ball tournament, mm -hmm. and on there was the username LOL Hot Dogs with a Z. <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's not. It's not. I was like, no, it's not that. But uh, but I was like, but I've seen that guy around. You know, <laughs> it's it's really it's really weird to have these conversations about DFS because like on DraftKings, I'm RW Brinso and I have a mm -hmm. CBS logo, so it's kind of easy to figure out. Um, but you know, like I am. I play enough DFS, whether it's golf or football, that I will frequently find myself saying things like, oh, 
the whistles go woo is winning again. Like, like I'm, <laughs> I'm aware of the existence of these guys, which is probably says something bad about my life. Damn it. Chipotle addict. You <laughs> won again. Yes, yes, yes. Speaking uh, of speaking of Chipotle addict, I know oh. someone who is not a Chipotle addict after last night. <laughs> and that is AJ Brown of the Tennessee Titans who segue. got food poisoning before Monday night's game against the Bills. Tennessee did not have a superstar receiver at 100%. And then Julio Jones, I believe, suffered a hamstring injury later in the game. So two top receivers out. Uh, but Dupree is still, is he even He was up? out there, but I don't, he was, he, he didn't played play many right? snaps. He played, he played, he played 62% of the snaps. So he was yeah. out there. In passing situations for the Bills is pretty much any down or any distance outside of fourth and one. But yeah, I mean, it was, you know, he is not the player they were hoping to get like an every down pass rusher for the season. So Tennessee missing several key players. Taylor Luan goes out injured during this game. Caleb Farley, rookie first rounder, tears his ACL. Christian Fulton was gone. Yeah, Christian Fulton was already gone. And it was a mess for Tennessee in this football game. But they have Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry, I don't want to say he single-handedly won them this game because it wasn't just Derrick Henry. But, man, that guy is really good. And I think my takeaway from the 34-31 victory the Tennessee Titans uh, pulled off yesterday against one of the best teams in football, maybe the best team in football in the Buffalo Bills, Derrick Henry is like breaking every rule Mm -hmm. or every historical comp I think we can find. And and I guess, well, what I want to start with is like, are are we past the point now where we should start, where we should treat Derek Henry with the other rules we have for other players? Like, is he so unique and and has done this for long enough now that it's just, there are different rules for Derek Henry than there are for everybody else. Like, like how do you handle a guy who is so productive and so consistent as Derrick Henry's been so far in the 2021 season. I was, I mean, I was going to ask you, I mean, it's your podcast. Here. Yeah. We, we, we are on the same page in terms of the question that needs to be asked about Derrick Henry, which, and so for, I would guess that the majority of your podcast listening audience, I think probably mine too has heard uh, people talk about the rule of 370, which is uh, comes from football outsiders. And involves the, I, and the, I don't think if you came up with it, then I feel bad. I did not come up. Okay. I didn't think so, but I was just being sure. Um, and essentially it's, if you give a running back 370 or more carries, historically speaking, there will be a physical breakdown or a decline in performance the following season. Um, Derek Henry had 303 carries in 2019, which led many of us to believe, well, that's a lot. He could, you know, we could see a little bit of a dip in 2020. That wouldn't shock anybody. He comes out and has 378 carries, <laughs> increases his yards per attempt by 0.3, and increases his yards per game by 24. Mm-hmm. Um, and he scores more touchdowns. So naturally, the result was, okay, in 2021, it's finally going to come to fruition. Now, he still got drafted really high in fantasy drafts, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody thought he would just stink. But, Bill, he is currently on pace through six games for 400. Oh, no, actually, you know what? If this is a per 16 games, PFR has got to get on it. We need per 17 games, guys. Mm-hmm. 
432 carries in 2021. Oh my and goodness. like, I am a firm believer. I didn't draft any Derrick Henry really in fantasy or in best ball, which obviously quite regrettable. At the moment. <laughs> um, I have Travis Kelsey though. Um, I, I think that I, I'm perfectly fine starting to think that the rules don't apply to him because mm-hmm. he's, he's not ever nicked up. He's bigger than everybody else. He is. He has an explosive running style. I, I just, I mean, and he, and he can, and I, I just don't know why we would, and this is how it always ends up happening. You finally fall for it and then something happens, but like, why would we suggest that Derrick Henry is just going to fall off a cliff all of a sudden when we've seen from him very clearly that he is capable of this workload and we have historical data going back to Alabama and then in high school when he set records uh, with carries and, and rushes and he gets stronger as the season goes along, typically over the course of his career. Mm-hmm. I mean, like whenever we talk about Derek Henry, and I, I tweeted about this a little bit today, like I think there is this conversation about, oh, he's so big. He's so physical. He's so bruising. Like he is Jerome Bettis or Ron Dane. Like he has that kind of size, but like, what makes Derrick Henry so unique, what makes him so gifted and so special is that he's fast as hell. Like yeah. he runs past people. And you watch that long touchdown run from yesterday's game. The first one, I think, was 78 yards. Uh, 76, 76 yards. Yeah. Like Micah Hyde is, is the deep safety on that play. And Micah Hyde is a very good veteran safety. He knows he's the last line of defense. He's faced a lot of fast running backs in his career. Like he's smart about the angles he takes. It's not going to take a dumb angle. Let a running back run past him on this play. Micah Hyde takes his ankle and Derrick Henry runs right past it. And like, that's not Micah Hyde, not having experience, not Micah Hyde, not knowing what he's doing. It's Micah Hyde, like facing a guy who is pretty fast in the first 10 yards, but is incredible at accelerating past the first 10 yards and not being able to calibrate that because there's just no one else in the NFL who has that combination of size and speed. And I mean, you know, uh, there are certainly going to be games where Derrick Henry does not have a 78 yard touchdown and gets bottled up. There are going to be games like week one, he had 17 carries for 58 yards against the Cardinals where the game script goes against him. Tennessee has to throw and and he's not part of, of the, the game script, but like at the end of the day, Will, I mean, like he, he 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 gets hit, but it's not like he's getting wrecked every single snap. Like he's running away from defenders, and like you said, everybody who tackles him—not everyone, because defensive linemen tackle him—but the vast majority of the time, the people who are tackling him are smaller than Derrick Henry. So, yeah. I mean, ninety-nine percent of that. I mean, the seventy-nine percent. It, it. You know what? Maybe the comp is Bill. And I know this will sound bad at first because of what happened to this player's uh, physical stature as, as he, as he wore on. But I think it's different because one guy's a quarterback and one guy's a running back. It's kind of like Cam Newton early in his career, you know, where, Ooh. I mean, in a faster came by the way, I'm, I'm currently Googling fastest SUVs. Cause I was trying to find <laughs> that's what, that's what Derek Henry is. But all these little SUVs are, you know, it's like a, like the, the Tesla Model X. It's like, that's not big enough to be Derrick Henry. I, it, it, he's basically like a, 
a sprint, a, a, like a sprinter van with, with turbo boosters on it or so. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, but, it, but the can truck. What's that? Yeah. Like a Mack truck with the, uh, yeah, a Mack truck with uh, a space shuttle engine on it. <laughs> I mean, the cam thing, you know, for a while, we're like, well, you know, cam can take these hits because he's bigger than everybody and he's running downhill. And I also feel like Derrick Henry, and I don't know how he does this, but there's a little bit of um, Marvin Harrison to his game in that he somehow doesn't take big hits. And, mm-hmm. and maybe that's partially because people are petrified to hit him or... <laughs> People are all smaller than he is, but it never feels like, you know, every running back suffered a big hit where you're like, oh man, like that's, that's, you know, but you never, I don't think we've ever said that with Derek Henry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like the, the markers we would have seen or we'd figured, okay, well, this is when it's going to happen. This is when he's going to, you know, fall off, whether he's going to get hurt, whether he's going to suffer a significant decline in performance. And he was, to be fair, earlier in the year not averaging quite as many yards per carry. He's down from 5.4 to 4.8, even after averaging 7.2 yards per carry last night. But like when you're shouldering a workload that has a prorated season number that begins with four, (laughs) like you're, you're going to be getting a ton of yards and he's had a bigger role in the passing game this year under Todd Downing than he had in years past. Yes. Arthur Smith. Like he already has 16 catches in six games after 18 and 19 in full seasons in 2019 and 2020. So, well, in terms of the broader Tennessee situation, I mentioned all those injuries. Of course, some of those guys are going to come back, but Farley is done for the year. Uh, We don't know about Taylor Lewan's status. He was carted off, um, and we don't have, I think, further details on that yet. Um, Julio Jones, I mean, as a guy in his 30s, has had soft tissue injuries last year having soft tissue injuries again this year. Um, You know, certainly there are players on this roster who are banged up already, players who are injured already. Like, do you think as constructed with the guys they have left right now, Tennessee can win the AFC? Or do you think they need to make a move before the trade deadline to add some help, given they've already had injuries to several key players on this roster? Yeah, I mean, yes, it's, it's tough because uh, there's a great tweet from uh, one of our edit- my good friend and one of our editors, RJ White, uh, today. Where he's like, the uh, you know the Bills lost the tight or the it's like the the Titans beat the Bills and lost the Jets. So if you're trying to power rank NFL teams for gambling purposes, maybe just quit. Don't go do something else. You know, <laughs> like, they beat the best. So I mean, I I do think that the Titans because of Derrick Henry. And I don't want to linger too long on him, but just because of Derrick Henry and the upside of that offense and can can get hot in the playoffs. I don't think they can win the AFC the way that they are set up because it's just it. You're talking about a what looks like would just be a really tough run of teams because really already through six weeks, Bill, I think we've gotten some some major separation at the top mm-hmm. in terms of teams pulling away. It's like, all right, these teams. You know, there's three, probably three spots up for grabs in the AFC, but it looks like there's a clear cut upper crust of teams in that mm-hmm. conference that are going to be playoff bound. And so, you know, if you're Tennessee and we're assuming that you get in as, let's just assume they get in as the fourth seed, maybe give them the third seed, whatever you want to do, but sure. not the buy or anything, you know, you're probably going to have to play two or three of 
Kansas City, the Chargers, the Ravens, mm-hmm. um, the Bills. And I, I, I think they could hang with all those teams. I'm probably forgetting somebody, maybe the Bengals or the Browns. But, you know, the, I, I just don't know that I would look at them and say, oh, yeah, that team is built to just plow through the, the AFC playoffs. But, I mean, given what we saw from them against Buffalo last night, they, they did it the year before, too. It, it is plausible that they could win the AFC. I would think that they need some defensive help if there is help available. Well, it's funny you should say that, Will Brinson, because yeah. I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler for my column on ESPN later this week. I am going to propose. Is this your annual trades that should happen column? It's my annual trades that should happen column. Thank you for remembering. I am proposing that the Tennessee Titans should trade a first round pick for Xavier Howard of the Miami Dolphins. And my argument is number one, of course, they are banged up in the secondary and they have injuries. Farley's done for the year. Uh, Christian Fulton was not playing in this game. Uh, Janoris, sorry, Jackrabbit Jenkins now officially. Well, it's very, by the way, is it, uh, is it an ESPN? Uh, does ESPN get like sp- sponsored by Jackrabbits or? I don't know. Is that, <laughs> Mina told me it was his official name now. I don't know. If, Wait, I, really? I, I, on, on the Tennessee Titans homepage, what? it does not, if you go to the, if you go to the, like his, his roster page, the URL says Janoris Jenkins. But the page itself says Jack Rabbit Jenkins. I'll be damned. Oh, all right. Well, now I feel bad for making fun of Steve Levy. For I was like, why? What? Just let it go. It's a nickname. <laughs> I'm calling him Jack Rabbit. Apparently, it is not. Oh, I. But I also made this mistake, so I cannot criticize anyone at ESPN or anywhere else who because I, I had the same response of no, that's not his real name. Oh, it is his real name. I think I'm not totally sure. Um. So yes. So Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Did not have his best game. Jack Harper Jenkins in his 30s. You probably don't want to be relying on him as your number one corner. But here's my argument. You have Derrick Henry, who is incredible at his peak. You have a core of guys, Tannehill, Lawan, if he comes back, Julio, uh, Henry, um, but AJ Brown. AJ Brown, of course. But I'm, I'm mentioning the guys who are in their late 20s. Oh, the 30s. older guys, excuse me. Right. Sorry. Because that's that's what their core is right now. If they have AJ Brown coming yeah. through, but whether it's been through injuries or decisions to move on from guys, like they don't have a huge young core on this roster. Harold Landry, I think, is taking a step forward, and that's exciting. Jeffrey Simmons, of course, is a very good player. Kevin Byard's kind of in between the two when it comes to age. But at the end of the day, like they're not built to win three years from now. They're built to win now. And if you're going to go for it, if you're Tennessee, like isn't this the year? I mean, the Chiefs look like they have major problems. Yep. You just beat the Bills, so you have a tiebreaker over the Bills, which means that if you play Buffalo, you might have a shot, if your records are even, at playing that game at home. Mm. I mean, the Ravens look tough, but Tennessee, we know they can beat the Ravens. They've beaten them twice in the last three years, lost in the playoffs, of course. But I, I think like Xavier Howard is a big expense. Obviously, once a new contract, you have to give, them, give that to him at the end of the year. Um, but like a great player or cornerback, you can really just plug in and say, okay, like, like you take care of your job and we'll figure out the rest from there. Um, I, I feel like given the situation, this is going to be their best chance of winning the AFC. And, and to me, I think adding a big piece like that, I wouldn't normally advocate for that in midseason, but I think you can justify it given sort of what their roster is like and what the situation is like for them in the AFC. And to add on to that, 
the Dolphins should be desperate to save face. Oh, yeah. Uh, by getting because if, if you're Miami, you have San Francisco's first round pick, which looks we'll you know, we'll see how the obviously how the season plays out, but mm-hmm. you know, probably a mid to low pick. I don't think it looks like it's going to be a top 10 pick. The Dolphins pick does look like it's going to be a top 10 or top five or top three pick. And they're sending it to the Eagles. Unfortunately, if you could trade Xavier Howard and have a second first round pick, even if it's not your own, it would, I think, um, help uh, reduce the amount. Uh, redu- it would help uh, uh, at least bandage up the wound that is going to be whatever pick they end up giving to the Eagles and how high it will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, for Miami, you're one in five. Your season is a mess. Um, maybe you just want to make a change. Maybe it's just like, hey, you know, we've we've lost our way. And, you know, Saban Howard's going to get a new deal next year with three years off on his existing contract. You might not want to set that precedent. You have Noah Igbenogamini, who has barely played this year, just played, I think, for the first time last week against the Jags. Like, you want to see what he is as a former first rounder. And, hey, you know, getting the extra first rounder in 2022 Maybe that's a pick you use to trade for a good lineman or you draft a lineman just to have something protecting to a Tango Vialoa. So to me, I, I feel like it's, I, I wouldn't recommend it for a lot of teams, but I think you can make a case for Tennessee that they should be in a position to go all in or go something close to all in uh, this off season. Yeah, I, I, I think or the season, that's, I or yeah, during the season for sure. And the AFC thing really is probably the best point there because right now, I mean, like the Patriots are gone. We're not gone, but like Tom Brady's Patriots are gone. Yes. Huge obstacle in that, in that conference. And last night's win is crazy. I mean, you hate to ascribe so much um, value to a single win, but by beating the bills in the fashion that they did, Going from because it looked like they were going to be three and three and they're just one game up on the Colts in that division. Mm-hmm. Now they're four and two and there's only one team, the Ravens, with a better record than them in, in the conference. I don't know. It's, it's just a wild swing in terms of how much that win was worth for Tennessee at home in prime time. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Buffalo will be fine and probably go on to get the number one seed in this conference. Mm-hmm. But Tennessee has to. Now, the other thing about Tennessee, Bill. Do they need to eat? Because they have in years past eased back Derrick Henry's touch total at various points in the season. Mm-hmm. Are we worried that they need to do that? And will it cost them wins <laughs> moving forward? They have like the, they have some they have some easy matchups coming up though, fortunately. I mean, I I I don't know. Like I would say in normal situations, yes. But Derrick Henry might just break all the rules. <laughs> like you know, like every time you have tried to ask for more out of Derrick Henry, he's delivered and like has not lost any efficiency, really has been just as good. So like, again, for any other running back, I'd say yes. For Derrick Henry, who knows? Like, I, I I, think I would, I would probably do it, but I also think I would have assumed I would do that for the year and that hasn't happened. So I don't know why they're going to start now. Mm. Yeah, maybe you're right. And, and look, hey, if you're going to, you know, for all the talk about not wanting to the value of running backs and the replaceability of running backs, um, if you're going to draft draft a running back in the second round and pay him a lot of money once he gets through his rookie deal, they're at least using him. Yeah, for sure. 
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Um, One more thing about this game briefly, then we'll move on. We have a couple other games to talk about. Uh, With the final play of the game, the Josh Allen stuff, uh, on fourth and one, I guess the next to last play of the game, Tennessee kneeled, I think. Um, yeah. Do you have well, any it was the absence of Taylor Lewan there for the Bills that was the problem, obviously. I am not <laughs> going to say anything, but that could certainly be a reason why. Um, no, I mean, like, at the end of the day, do you have any issues with how the Bills handled that whole situation and the decision to Go for it on fourth and one to sneak. Anything about that comes to mind as something you would look back and second guess. If you're, if we're going to nitpick, the, and I think the decision-making as a whole to go for it there instead of going to overtime and, and getting more Derrick Henry down your, you know, rammed down your throats, because um, I don't think the Bills were getting the ball back in, in, in overtime. And Sean McDermott probably felt a similar way. His defense is, uh, I, would, I would assume, still first in DVOA once we see the new ratings come out. Uh, later today or, or whenever, whenever they pop out, but uh, it's probably going to come back to earth a bit. They were twice as good as the next, the next best team. And, you know, they got, they got, they got banged up pretty good by the Titans in the second and third quarter there. And, and then a couple more times in the fourth, I, I would, um, I don't I have no problem with the, the decision to go. I like the decision to go. I think it's being aggressive. You know, you're putting the ball in Josh Allen's hands. The, if I was nitpicking, I would say two things. One that the two timeouts that I, I thought, Mike Vrabel not using his timeouts, mm-hmm. maybe calls Sean McDermott to use his timeouts. And as a result, I would have liked, if, you're, if you think you're going to go on fourth down there, maybe be a little bit quicker with how you're operating. Um, don't let the clock melt down or, or get to a point where you can, you might have three timeouts if you don't get the fourth down, mm-hmm. meaning you could in theory get the ball back again and have a shot at a field goal. Um, and then, I would have preferred a, I guess, a quarterback sneak to the right. Maybe Josh Allen's more comfortable to the left, but the the presence of Jeffrey Simmons certainly a uh, a large concern there, and it, it played out. And, and he slipped. I mean, I don't know what you're going to do. I, I like the decision as a whole, though. Do you have any issue with the sneak as opposed to a different kind of play? I, if it were my, if it were my decision, I probably bootleg Allen or. Uh, maybe sp- I don't know if you sprint him out. I-, I just like the idea that you give Josh Allen a decision to make mm-hmm. where he can, he can, cause I think Josh Allen's good at these. If you get him out on the edge, he's looking, all right, do I have uh Stefan Diggs by himself near the end zone? Cause you still want to score. I mean, you know, you, you, know, you right. want to get the touchdown or do I have X defenders in front of me? And I can plow through them or nobody in front of me and I can just get the, so I, I, I think I maybe, like that a little bit more just because it gives you more options. But I mean, Alan to get six inches, you feel pretty comfortable. He's going to get that 90% of the time. Yeah. I mean, his, I don't know what his numbers were, but I think they were close to hundred percent or a hundred percent on fourth and one on, on sneaks. And I mean, even if you, 
even if you sneak, even if you don't get the touchdown on the play, which I think is not out of the question that you score on the sneak itself. Like you have the guy, you know, pushing Allen from behind, maybe you get a score, but um, you call a timeout, you have about 18 seconds and you have, you know, as many plays as you want from the two yard line to try and score in 18 seconds. Like, I think you're in good shape. So uh, I, I, I agree with you. I think that probably Sean McDermott felt, Hey, if, if we lose the coin toss, you, we aren't going to get the ball and we aren't, we aren't going to get the ball back. We aren't going to win. And if we win the coin toss, we're probably going to go down there and score and win on our, on our own. So I think the question is, you know, giving up the coin toss is 50, 50. Do you think you have better than a 50, 50 shot of scoring a touchdown from fourth and one from the three yard line with that play and the possibility of a first down as well? I, I, I feel it pretty strongly that it's the right decision to go for it there. Yeah, uh, the the play I would actually nitpick on would probably be, and again, four yards. I mean, again, we're nitpicking here, but the uh, running, it was uh, Zach Moss had a shotgun on first and 10 from the 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, so they had uh, Allen hit Gabe Davis for 20 yards. They get down to the 12. When you get down there, when they ran that play, there was 50 seconds and they had all three of their timeouts. I would have liked to see, I think, again, nitpicking and you know, second guessing here, but if you pass there, maybe you pick up some more yards, maybe you score, maybe it's incomplete and you don't have to burn that timeout. That, that would, again, that's, maybe that's the nitpick for me is that I, I would like to try and keep those timeouts in your pocket because if you go for it on fourth and, or have to go for it on fourth because you don't think you're going to kick, then you would like the, the ability to get the ball back or not let Tennessee knee it out. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, all right. A couple more games we're going to get to here before we wrap up. Um, let's talk about the other primetime game from this weekend. Steelers and Seahawks. I, I, I don't know what to make of this game. Well, I felt like it was very bad. Oh, it was and bad. Then it, and then it was like weird. And then it was good for a little bit. And then it was weird again. And so there's a, there a Seahawks game in prime time. <laughs> yeah, it was a Seahawks game in prime time. But I mean, it started with Russell Wilson pretending to play football. It ended with uh, TJ Watt um, making the game winning play in between. I, I, I'm not really sure what to make of it. I mean, it, so it felt like it felt like two teams who were very limited by their quarterbacks. Yes. Also, I would point out this game, and I don't want to like, keep bringing up DFS, but I find this really fascinating. So on these showdown slates, you know, on DraftKings, you pick six players, right? And one guy's your captain, and he gets one and a half times the points. And if in a game where you got a big favorite, sometimes you want to do what's called the onslaught, which is where you do five of the favorite and one of the underdog. Uh, well, the onslaught won somebody a million dollars. But the only way to make it work was if you had the ons. And, and so, you know, usually you have like the team that puts up a bunch of points and then sure. maybe the quarterback for the, the dog because they're throwing the whole game, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the only way, to, the, the one who won a million dollars was he had Alex Collins, the running back of the dog and the losing team as his mm-hmm. captain, and then five Steelers, which there's, there's no reasonable or rational way that that game script could unfold Unless Pete Carroll was involved. Well, I also want to point out, well, that I believe from a screenshot you posted on your Twitter account yesterday, did you not play a showdown lineup in the Monday Night Football game where your captain 
was, was fat was fat Randy Bullock. That is correct. Tennessee kicker Randy Bullock. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, we have. I think I actually play it for you. So we we make fun of John Breach because of this sound clip. Oh, he missed. He missed. Oh, and he may have pulled a hamstring or a muscle, and there is complete elation. That is Randy Bullock, week one, 2020, against the Los Angeles Chargers, in which he shanks a short chippy for the Bengals to lose the game. So in honor of that, I did I did play Randy Bullock as captain kicker situation. That was it was more of a gag, but it actually ended up being one of my better lineups last night. (laughs) Badly enough. Sorry. So please continue. No, but I mean the point being is you you wouldn't you just can't get there very often where like the Steelers did everything right for the first half and the Seahawks came out and said, okay, this isn't working. We're just going to run the ball a bunch. Yeah. And they did. And it worked. And it's not even like run the ball with Derrick Henry, run the ball with Alex Collins. Yeah. It, and it worked great. Like it they, worked great. They brought and, in Travis Homer. It worked great. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, I mean, what a, what a, what a banner year for 2017 fantasy teams everywhere. Devontae for better day. Devontae Freeman, Lev Bell, Latavius Murray, and Alex Collins all popping in touchdowns. Um, <laughs> I would, I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, it's hard to know exactly what to take away from this game other than the Seahawks are in a lot of trouble if Russell Wilson's recovery timeline for his injured finger it ends up being longer. And uh, Brady Quinn, who is uh, going to be on my podcast tomorrow, comes on every week with us, suffered the exact same injury. Really? Fact, it was his, in his third start of his career for Cleveland, or second start of his career with Cleveland on Monday Night Football against the Bills, I believe. And he says to this day, he still doesn't have, like, he can't have, doesn't have feeling or like, you know, in, in some of his fingertips. That's um, Yeah, not good. And he, he had the surgery done. And it's that four week period where you just, you know, that's the, that's the recovery. And then there's the rehab, which is an, uh, is an unsure amount of time. Now, Russell Wilson being Russell Wilson, I'm sure <laughs> I mean, probably back in three weeks, but this team, I just don't believe can stay afloat in a competitive conference and a very competitive division mm-hmm. as currently constituted. And I do wonder how much that might have, an impact on the long-term future of the Seahawks and whether Russell Wilson is, is around after this year. I think that's a really good question. And I mean, I, I, I will tell you that in writing my traits that should happen column, oh my. one of the guys who came up for me and I, I'm sort of going back and forth. I haven't filed it as we record this, but like, I'm not sure what to do about Dwayne Brown, uh, a guy who, you know, is in his late thirties plays left tackle for the Seahawks is a free agent after the year, sort of did the hold in to try and get a deal this summer and did not get one, which I think is telling about his future with the team. Um, You know, on on paper, you'd sit here and say, okay, well, the smart thing for the Seahawks to do with a 36-year-old left tackle they're not resigning after the year is trade him now, get a pick now, see what you can work with at left tackle over the rest of the year. But like in doing so, you're basically telling Russell Wilson, hey, like, we're kind of throwing this year away and that might irritate Russell Wilson even more than he might already be upset. I mean, there was that report from Jay Glazer. Was it the week he got hurt? Was it, was it during the Thursday night game or before the Thursday night game where he got hurt? Um, we're saying Russell Wilson was going to request another trade this upcoming off season. Ooh. I mean, like at this point, are you, 
if you're John Schneider, if you're Pete Carroll, are you concerned more with keeping the 2021 team competitive to try and placate Russell Wilson in the hopes of, you know, sort of building around him after this year? Or are you sort of saying, okay, we're going to do what's best for the organization. And if Russ doesn't like it, like we're going to move on. Yeah. I I mean, well, the first thing I would do, the trade I would suggest for your column, if you haven't filed it yet, have the Seahawks trade Jamal Adams to the Jets for multiple future (laughs) picks. It's it's so weird. This team, I don't, I don't think you look at this team. Like, all right, let's, if you took Russell, I mean, and I realize he's not playing on the team right now. He's on injured reserve, uh, but he's still front center somehow. But if, if you took Russell Wilson off this team, and get you know upgrade from Geno Smith to I mean I don't know what's the, who's our average quarterback now Kirk Cousins yeah if how many games is Kirk Cousins winning on this team mm-hmm. Kirk I mean, Cousins is actually playing pretty well this year but I mean, yeah no. that's maybe a little harsh yeah well, I mean, but he's probably the 18th or seventh fifteenth best quarterback in football yeah like, like I think he ranges from like ten to twenty yep on, exactly from week but, to week so I think it's a good choice I just I mean I just I don't think this is a playoff Super Bowl team with Kirk Cousins on it. I, I, I think it's an eight or nine win team. Like if oh, actually break, right? Actually, when you look at this team, maybe they are just the West Coast Minnesota Vikings with Russell Wilson. They are. But like, <laughs> like that's, you know, not, yeah, not good. If, if that's what you want to be. That's fine. <laughs> like, I, I, I wouldn't want that personally. I'd rather have Russell Wilson. But like, you know, like, are you going to vaguely? Like, I know Pete Carroll loves, loves competition. That's what he cares about. Like, are you going to sell out to try and win nine games this year in the hopes that Russell Wilson comes back and you do just enough to get the seventh seed in the NFC? Like, even if that happens, you're not going to go very far, I don't think. So, I mean, Fimi famous last words, but I, I just, I, I think they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Like, they made yeah. the Jamal Adams trade. They re-signed Russell Wilson. Like, they're saying, okay, we can win a Super Bowl over the next three years. And... I mean, they were very good last year. They they defied the numbers. They won 13 games or 12 games, but they were very good last year and then immediately got bounced from the playoffs. And this year seems like it's kind of a waste. So like, I, I think, you, you know, you're sort of stuck by the moves you've made in the past, but I don't know what you do from this spot, whether you are like, w- whether you get even more aggressive and say, okay, like we're going to build for 2022, but we're going to go all in for 2022 and 2023, or whether this has been such a frustrating season and you feel like the roster is so full of holes that you're going to just blow things up and, and sort of start anew without Russell Wilson. Russell will turn 33 this year. You know, I mean, I understand he wants to play till he's 45. I think, I think, I think it's realistic for, to suggest that Russell will play until he's 39 or 40, just because of the way he takes care of his body, modern medicine, you know, all this stuff we've seen with quarterbacks. That I don't think that's an unreasonable. So you have, you know, let's say six years of high-level play from Russell Wilson at you know, six or seven max, right? I, I don't, but the problem is who, who on this roster outside of DK Metcalf, and I'm not including Jamal Adams as much as I like Jamal Adams because of his contract and the position and the cost that it, you know, to, to acquire him, who is an ascending or an appreciating asset on this roster outside of DK Metcalf? I mean, I would say Daryl Taylor, but we just saw Daryl Taylor suffer a very scary yeah. injury in the game. I mean, I mean, they have like, I mean like, also got hurt. 
And, and like Russell Wilson and, 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 and Bobby Wagner are studs. Right. But they're, they're older. You know, Dwayne Brown is really good, but he's older. I mean, this is, there is a, it is a very disconnect in how this team is constructed and the identity that Pete Carroll wants to have versus what they can accomplish with their actual personnel. It just doesn't, it doesn't mesh. And, and I don't, so I don't, I don't know. I think I agree with you. They're in a rock and a hard place because if you trade Russell and blow it all up, you know, you're starting from scratch, Mm -hmm. but if you keep Russell and you try to sort of piece things together around him in the same way you have without any real assets in terms of future draft picks, because you, you freaking trade them all away for players, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to end up with this patchwork team every single year. And the Rams, 49ers and Cardinals all look to be a problem for the next couple of years. So I, I don't know how Seattle can look at itself and think, you know, we are right there and, and good to go. It's like, just because you have Russell, that's the only reason why. You know who could really use Russell Wilson? Um, like, uh, the, a lot of teams. I was going to say a lot of teams. The, the, uh, the invisible uh, group that he was huddling with? <laughs> what are you doing? He's like talking to nobody. Do, do you think he was pretending to be the quarterback of another team when he was sitting there? <laughs> I, uh, I, Sean Payton gave me the play, guys. Um, <laughs> I would have loved it if Russ had just simulated handing off for like two and a half hours and just <laughs> staring obnoxiously or staring like upset at the sideline. And then finally, for the last five minutes, started throwing the ball and <laughs> he does it for 45 minutes. And then, by the way, he definitely made sure there's a camera. Uh, it, with it, with a look of him as he was doing that. The, the one, the one thing I don't think he wanted a camera on him for. I can't remember who called this. Maybe it was Patrick Claybon, but uh, it was Russ. After watching a play call, looks at his wristband, sees the play, sh- like shakes his head and kind of disbelief that that was the play call, and then walks away, which is probably <laughs> more telling than anything. Yes, um, I was going to say the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, could use Russell Wilson. They are a team that has a ton of veterans and could win now, and they're going to need a quarterback. They need a quarterback right now, but realistically, they're going to need one after this season as well i mean is there any hope for the steelers that they can do anything significant with ben roethlisberger i mean we saw the broncos win a super bowl with like broken Peyton manning like is there enough around the quarterback spot on this roster that they can win you think mm, no. you know you asked me if the titans could win the AFC. I certainly don't think the Steelers can. One of those plays in that game, it was like a third and two or something. And do you remember that? Um, I think it was last year around this time when uh, PFF Seth tweeted out the worst football play in NFL history. Yes. And it's the, it's like the 1933, the guy takes a two handed pass and throws it a yard and a half. Ben actually did that in 2021. Like <laughs> he takes the snap and just like dumps the, it, it was, it looked exactly the same. And that's really, you know, the, and I know that uh, our friend Mina Kimes catches a lot of flack from Steelers fans for this, but Ben doesn't throw the ball downfield. He doesn't have the time behind that offensive line, nor the arm strength to do it at the way that he was, you know, has done it for his whole career. He's a, okay. he's a no doubt Hall of Famer, but it's, it's over. Okay. But here's the tough part. Like sometimes he does throw it downfield. Sure. Not very often. But like when he like he had a throw to I think it was Dante Johnson this game that was really nice like it had zip on it it was like twenty five yards downfield I think it was a back shoulder 
Um, he hit that. Sometimes he does hit fades and deeper throws. It's not like he can't do it at all. Right. But it feels like he has like a power meter on that arm. Yeah, and like he has perfect. to charge it up for six or seven perfect. plays before he can do it. And like, I don't, I, I don't understand. It's so strange to me. Well, and, and don't, let's not forget that um, he also, you know, one way, you know, like sometimes when you've got a power, like a, like a boost meter or whatever in a video game and, you know, you, you can run around, you can pick up something that will increase your power quickly, right? Like yes. a, a mushroom or something in, uh, in, in Mario Kart or, sure. or whatever, whatever you want to do, you know, uh, Ben has one of those as well, Bill, because if he, what he does is the, the way he supercharges his power meter is he leaks out to the local Pittsburgh media that Matt Canada and Mike Tomlin have hamstrung him in this <laughs> offense by refusing to allow him to audible. Now, I actually think he may have a point. Yes. And it's, it's the Steelers have done this several times where you know, they did it with Todd Haley. The guy, Bruce Arians is, you know, Ben's too comfortable. We got to get him out of here. You know, we're, we're going to have him retire. And then they bring in Todd Haley, just like, just a piss off Ben. And, you know, this time around, they uh, they roll out Randy Fickner, who's Ben's buddy as well, like like Bruce. Try to you know, get him out of town, and they bring in Matt Canada, who is not going to let this 39 year old Hall of Fame quarterback audible at the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Is going to have him throw short of the sticks on fourth down, and is going to do the one thing that Ben really hates, which is motion a lot of guys pre snap, <laughs> and, and 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 run bunches bunch formations. He's just let's bring in a guy who does all the things Ben hates the most. It's almost like they're trying to get Ben to quit. Mm-hmm. Do you remember a little big league? Of course. Little big league, the movie where uh, a young man falls on his arm and separates his shoulder and then discovers he has superpowers. I'm just picturing Ben like sitting in his car. Now, now I have to, I have to, I have to stop you here, Bill. Please. Isn't, uh, see, you, you've got to, you got your uh, childhood baseball movies mixed up. Do I, I always do this. I do that too. I do that too. And I was like, I, I think I usually say little big league. What we mean is the, Rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. Little Big League is the kid who inherits the twins. The twins. Yes. Takes over. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 do the, I do the exact same thing. I originally thought it was Rookie of the Year, and then I'm like, no, Bill, you always screw this up. It's Little Big League. <laughs> That's exactly, it, yeah, exactly. infuriating. These movies came out around the same time. But in Rookie of the Year, thank you for correcting me, um, a, a, a kid falls on his arm and injures it, only to find that he has developed uh, through, I guess, scar tissue. Like the movie's a little vague about this part. Like suddenly he can throw like mid nineties heat and becomes a pitcher in the major. Henry Rowan Gardner. Yes, it was Henry Rowan Gardner. That's correct. Right. Um, uh, so he is in that movie and that happens. Based on what you're telling me about the power of leaks for Ben Roethlisberger, I'm just picturing him in a newspaper or sorry, in a, in his car with like seven newspapers, just reading them over and over again and just developing arm strength. And suddenly <laughs> he has the power to now throw deep twice per game now, as opposed to. Uh, and, the- and when that doesn't work, Ben buys spiders, hoping to like have them bite him so he can get <laughs> Spider-Man powers. By the way, have you, I don't, I don't think this has occurred to me that uh, people, younger people who would be listening to this podcast or, or just talking about movies in general, what they would think about rookie of the year. I, I may need to go watch it to see if it holds up the, just the wiki description, a freak accident causes 12 year old little league player, Henry to become such a powerful and accurate pitcher that the Chicago Cubs signed the junior high student to a contract unprepared for such a high pressure environment. Henry falters until aging fastballer Chet Stedman takes him under his wing and teaches him how to play in the big leagues. Meanwhile, the mother's venal boyfriend tries to sell Henry's contract to a hated opposing team. Kind of incredible. I, how, how does the, 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 
uh, his mom's boyfriend have the ability the to, sell his, to sell his contract. That seems highly uh, irregular. You would assume the MLBPA would step in there and say, you can't do that. <laughs> or, or that they would have jumped in and been like, you're not allowed to sign uh, this junior high student in the middle of the year. He, he actually has to go through what we call the draft. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway. I like, I, I mean, I remember being entertained. Like, no, it was me, a great movie when we were kids. I'm just now, wondering how you, it holds up now as an adult. I believe I asked this question of, of my friends, Dad Rubenstein uh, and Ty Hildenbrandt, when I went on the Solid Verbal and we talked about this, this movie. I'm going to ask you the same question here. Did you watch that movie and then leave and then think about yes. like falling on your shoulder to try <laughs> breaking to my arm? Yes. yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's a, I'm sure there's a rash of intentionally broken arms <laughs> around the country in 1990, 1993. I mean, I, I thought about, I think about it to this day. I'm like, I'm not thinking, oh, I should break my arm, but like, oh, if I tripped and fell, maybe I would suddenly develop like 30 miles an hour, 50 miles an hour in my fastball. You, yeah, you, you just suggested Ben Roethlisberger should do it. I mean, yes. I mean, I figure because the offensive line is so bad, he's going to fall on his shoulder at some point anyway. That's right. And I, um, I agree with you. I mean, I think, you know, to get back to the broader, like, I, I, to, to your original question, though, which that's blame me for any tangents, but I'm not sure that the Steelers could trade for Russell Wilson in the middle of the season. No, of course not. With Big Ben on the roster and healthy. Right. But next year, like, like if Russell Wilson does get traded this offseason, I would imagine the Steelers would probably be like at the front of the line in terms of teams who would, you know, think they should justify trading three first round picks to get a deal done. For sure. And what would be really fascinating is if Aaron Rodgers doesn't win the Super Bowl or doesn't meet whatever arbitrary level he needs to meet in terms of success and decides he wants out of Green Bay. And there's a market out there in the offseason where teams are capable of trying to trade for Russ and Aaron Rodgers, because that would be I mean, just in terms of wild off seasons, that would probably match the Brady off season. Okay. Let me finish up with this. Well, week one of the 2022 season, the Pittsburgh Steelers are lining up to face the Cincinnati Bengals at home. Is it still Heinz field? It's, it's Heinz field, right? Uh, it is still Heinz Field, yes. Heinz Field is rocking. The Steelers win the coin toss. They like to receive. Ray Ray McLeod returns at 27 yards. The camera pans to the quarterback walking on the field for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who is that quarterback? Week one of the 2022 season. Is it Russell Wilson? Or I'm assuming it's not Ben Roethlisberger. Is it somebody else? I can't get past that wink and nod and little thing that Aaron Rodgers and Mike Tomlin <laughs> yes. did. I think about that once a week, bare minimum. <laughs> I mean, th- that was so knowing. And and then you hear, you know, Jay Glazer, who is you mentioned earlier. I mean, like, Glazer is as tight as it gets, and he knows uh, sure. lots of people in in these particular situations as well with Pittsburgh and, and with what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. Of course, and he did not. Uh, poo-poo the, the notion that Rodgers might be interested in, in going to Pittsburgh. And it would make sense for sure. really all sides, you know, because if you had Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Wilson, and I talk about this all the time. If you had Aaron Rodgers on this Steelers team, I mean, they are the, 
before the season, they'd be the favorites to win the division, probably like minus 150. Mm-hmm. Um, they would probably be like five and one. And the off, nobody would be complaining about the offensive line because you have a quarterback who could nullify your concerns with his sort of horizontal mobility and quick release. As a Chase Claypool dynasty uh, interest holder, this, this idea definitely uh, intrigues me. I'll say that much. I, I agree with you. I, I think that that look was not an accident. I just, would the Packers deal him to the Steelers? Like, would they create a Super Bowl team? Even if it is in the AFC? Like, I think, I think they'd rather send him to Denver than to Pittsburgh if they could. I uh, probably, I think the week one starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2022 will be James A. Garoppolo. Ooh, I like that. That's pretty good. He will not cost that much. He is someone who, uh, you know, will work in the context of the offense. He's not going to be someone who is a complainer, which I think you could say Aaron Rodgers is at times. And I think, you know, I, I think that the Steelers, frankly, they need to keep their draft picks to fill out the rest of their roster. They need to address the offensive line. They need to address um, the offensive line. I know I just said that twice, but they really <laughs> need to address the offensive line. They, they really um, do. And they traded the first round pick for Mika Fitzpatrick, which, hey, great move. Mika Fitzpatrick's awesome. But they're going to have to give Mika Fitzpatrick a new deal this offseason. They're going to have some dead money from Ben on their cap. Wouldn't shock me if they, they felt like they had to go for a cheaper option than Aaron Rodgers. If you can get Aaron Rodgers, I think you go for it. But if he can't, I think Garoppolo is a likely fallback plan. That's a, that's a good call. And certainly Jimmy Garoppolo will be available this offseason because the 49ers couldn't wait for Aaron Rodgers and traded three picks for Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. And uh, presumably we'll decide to, because I think Jimmy G's got one more year left on his deal, right? Um, it's, it's done guaranteed so they can get rid of him. No yeah. cap hit there. I mean, you know, like Kyle Shanahan says, like, who knows that Jimmy Garoppolo will even be alive next year, but we hope <laughs> certainly that he is uh, and that he will have a job somewhere. Well, we were going to talk about four games. In the end, we were so... Did we talk about two? Did we, did we, we talked to, about two. We only talked about two. That's, uh, but we did talk about rookie of the year. It, that that was on my list. I checked that off. That was That's a W there. <laughs> I will, I, will, I will say this, Bill. We did. We the other two games we we're going to talk about were Minnesota, Carolina, and the Jets, Dolphins. Yeah, you know, we could argue that none. Of, I mean, excuse me, the Jaguars, Dolphins. Um, I keep saying Jets, Dolphins. We could argue that none of those, neither of those games was necessarily impactful in terms of the full season landscape. I do think, and I pointed this out to you. I just want to note it really quickly that it's it's crazy how if you have four slots, four mm-hmm. slates, if you will, slots, whatever you want available on the NFL window and you have one good game in each of them really. And that's it. And it still manages to feel like a fun day because you get three overtime games, you know, and the, I don't know. It's, it, that's kind of the magic of the NFL is if the standalone games are good or interesting or close, it feels like the whole day was kind of great. Right. It does. I will say as someone who, uh no that was sorry that was the Thursday night game you were tweeting about Tom Brady's Tom Brady not hitting the over on his rushing yards uh rushing yards prop oh and I I had the under so I was very excited to see this oh what a steal that is 
hey, for 59 minutes, I had the right side. And then for 30 sure. seconds, I had the wrong side. And then for 30 seconds again, I had the right side. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, like, like when you have seven games to flip through and you can go to red zone if you want, or you can flip through different games or different situations, like if most of those games are bad, you're, you know, you can piece together a, a fun three hours out of those seven games. And I think to your point, like the primetime games were really fun. It, Bucks Eagles was kind of meh until the Eagles kind of got going in the second half. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. It felt like the national games all had something interesting happening. So yeah, another fun week. And I'm excited about Derrick Henry continuing to defy every negative prediction I have about Derrick Henry. I'm excited about uh, Russell Wilson and seeing where his pretend football team goes in the weeks <laughs> to come. I, I'm, I'm excited about the NFL. So, Will, uh, I have to thank you for coming on. And I need to ask you to tell the people where they can listen to more of you. Well, my, my picks can't get much worse. So they can go uh, check me on the upswing on CBSSports.com and the Pick 6 podcast available daily. NFL podcast. We have like eight shows a week for some reason. Uh, available. <laughs> on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere else you get your podcast. Awesome, my friend. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Always fun, Bill. See you, buddy. All right. Clearly, uh, if you've listened to the show for a while, you know I love having Will Brinson on. Will is awesome. Check out his podcast, The Pick 6 Podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Will Brinson. Anything Will does entertains me. One of the best in the business. We have more audio coming next week. More NFL analysis on the way. Hope you guys enjoyed this show and thanks so much for listening.